Welcome to Taiwan Talk. I'm Sheree Felice, and this week I am joined by Myanmar's first Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, Esther Tusan, who fled Myanmar after receiving death threats from supporters of Aung San Suu Kyi. Listen in as we discuss her life, the death threats, and the importance of press freedom. I'd like to hear a brief history about what your daily life was like living in Myanmar. Well, so Myanmar was under military dictatorship for half a century. That includes my generation and my parents' generation. So growing up, it was like you would only see the state-run TV or uh, state-run newspapers that would only talk about the military dictators, of course. And and of course, there was no real kind of education system. So it it was kind of I would say a bit dark up until 2010 because. You're not allowed to do anything that is related to challenging the, the government's policy or challenging, you know, what the military was doing. So it was kind of, I think, it was kind of difficult for a lot of young people like me to really want to wonder, you know, um, what the country was, what was the, you know, what what was the politics, what what was it, you know, we we had no idea what was going on. So, yeah, it was kind of quite dark. How did that change under Aung San Suu Kyi? Well, so before Aung San Suu Kyi, uh, we had five years of quasi-civilian government. What that means is the military finally agreed to transition in 2010. So the military finally transitioned from dictatorship to quasi-civilian government, and they ran the country. And since then, uh, it was kind of a little more democratic or more open uh, than before. We had more open society. Um, the the quasi-civilian government was trying to get international attention and credit for transitioning. And after that, it was slowly giving us the opportunity to speak out and to, uh, like, freedom of expression slowly happen. Uh, But, of course, it never really meant that you can just go out and protest if you want to. There's always consequences that there are always activists getting arrested for for what they do or the uh, protests like that. But then... Around 2014 and 15, when you know Aung San Suu Kyi and her party really was quite involved in the political field, uh, the country, of course, was more supported by the West and it was more open. And so it was uh, from the very dark, you know, history into a more, uh, I would say, a beautiful dawn. And, and it went uh, from complete restriction to a more open society under the quasi-civilian government. But then under Aung San Suu Kyi after 2015 election, we all thought that it was going to be uh, cause more democratic, more uh, open. Then uh, quasi-civilian government, which was run by the military. But unfortunately, we are seeing that uh, the data and facts are actually telling us that her government is not much different than how the military was running the country. In, uh, In the sense that I meant uh, arresting uh, journalists, arresting activists, arresting normal people who criticize the government are uh, arrested. So, uh, you know, like um, if this civilian government led by Aung San Suu Kyi was any different, it would have been it would have given the society and, and the civil society groups more space to actually lead the country uh, into a more democratic society, but it, that, it just doesn't happen. I think that's what the world is confused about with Aung San Suu Kyi because she got the Nobel Peace Prize. She was a freedom fighter. She spent years in prison. Why do you think, when she was finally elected leader, why do you think suddenly now she is supporting human rights abuses? 
Well, I think a question is not to me. I think to a lot of Western countries that did was she really a freedom fighter? I think we have to really go back and see what she had done or not done as an activist. But she had actually cl- uh, clearly stated herself that she's a politician. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that gave us an answer. I cannot give you my opinion about who she is because uh, as a journalist, it's not my position to say. But the problem is a democracy champion or the so-called democracy champion mm-hmm. is now acting more like a controller or a dictator these days uh, in a country that she was supposed to lead to a democratic values. Do you think that that might just be the consequences of power? I think what she is right now really answers who she is. Okay. So let's talk about you. What made you become a journalist? Well, back in the day, as I was talking to you about uh, how I grew up, you know, not being able to tell the stories of, uh, I mean, I grew up in a civil war. But I really never saw any news about civil war in the state-run newspaper or state-run TV. And I was really kind of wondering, like, why, you know, why does nobody tell the story of, of this issue that we are seeing every day? And, th- and then um, in 2011 and 2012, when the country was changing a little bit into a more open society, I started to look for an opportunity. I mean, telling a story is something that I had always wanted to do, and and I found a tool uh, back in 2012 that was journalism. It was a tool that tells the story that matters about the stories of individuals, the stories of the political repression, and, and all of these. And I found a tool, and that just, I felt like I found myself when I started working as a journalist. When you started, were there a lot of female journalists in Myanmar? Not a lot, because uh, Myanmar itself is a very male-dominated country and, and very traditional, very conservative country. So I would say it was um, quite few female journalists at the time, and women are kind of seen as weak in that country. So somehow we're seen, even as a journalist, I mean, most male journalists think that we cannot go to conflict area or report about conflicts, which they underestimated. So you personally have gotten death threats and you've been followed home at night what made you decide that wow i need to leave so normally i get threats and i just always think okay this is going to pass a few few days later but back in 2017 it was very different from what i experienced before that because normally when i get threats that's going to be on social media but in 2017 it was different it was on social media as well as from the authorities uh, and then people following you and normally you know in the middle of the night people just don't show up and follow you and shout out your names on the street so it really tells you that it went into another level and also when i got death threats from people who actually know quite higher level in the in the government that also tells you something that the threat level has gone into a step farther so I realized that this is not normal and you have to leave. And it was not only my decision, it was also many other friends, journalist friends who, was, who were like, okay, we think that they're trying to do something to you. How about your family? Do you still have family in Myanmar? I do, uh, but I mean, I have, since I started working as a journalist, I made it quite a distance in between me and them, so um, they're kind of safe. Okay, so there's no threat against them right no. now? Okay. Is there any safety precautions that you would tell future female journalists to follow? I would give an advice to all journalists that I think when you go to conflict region, uh, especially in the front line, you have to really listen to people there about you know how to 
take security measure because they know better than us because we only go there sometimes to report on the story. So I think um, it's very important to really walk with people on the ground, civil society groups, human rights activists and so on, to take measures so that we can protect ourselves when we are actually on the ground. And why is press freedom important, in your opinion? Without uh, the real journalism that gives us information and facts to the society, our society will be in complete darkness. The governments or or the regime can actually take over and uh, manipulate your mind by distributing propaganda. I experienced it, and I had actually seen how it transitioned because of media. And media had actually played a huge role when a country is moving from dictatorship to democratic transition. So I think um, without freedom of press, that country really is in deep trouble. Without freedom of press in a country, we can actually call that country an oppressive regime, and we don't want that. That's it for this week's episode of Taiwan Talk. I'd like to thank Esther Tucson again for joining me. Don't forget to tune in next week for an all-new episode. As always, remember to take care of yourselves. I'm Sheree Felice.